How are you wonderful people doing? My name is Michael, who is known as Third Gen Gamer, and welcome back to the Third Gen Cast. This is episode two. If you missed episode one, be sure to go check it out. Essentially, it was kind of an introduction, and then we kind of talked a little bit about Pokemon in general, and then we talked about Bitcoin, miscellaneous things, and today... We have some similar topics, but yet again, there's a little bit of a difference. And uh, yeah, let's just get started right from the get-go here. Uh, podcast. For the first episode, I just want to, you know, talk about the previous podcast, you know, going through the whole thing and, you know, recording it, going through the whole process, editing it, and then also posting it, receiving your guys' feedback and everything, which by the way, thank you so much everyone for being so supportive of the first episode. It really does mean a lot to me. And also... Uh, this podcast is going to be on every single streaming platform for the most part as of right now because it took a while for me to get all the podcasts up on various platforms, but here we are today. I think at this point, if I just upload podcasts to my uh, uh, podcast distributor, uh, it's called Anchor, it should be able to just send it out everywhere all at once now, which is really, really cool. So yeah. Feedback, everyone was so supportive about it. Of course, let's just say, personally, going through all the editing and stuff, there were a lot of things that I did in the podcast. I was just like, oh, gosh, it's awful. Like, for example, a lot of the breathing, which, I mean, I'm a heavy breather just because I'm someone that has asthma. So that's just one of those things where it's hard for me to breathe from time and time again. And next, you know, I'm going through the entire uh, timeline for the audio, trying to get rid of every single huge breath that I have. And then it's just so it's not as loud for everyone else that's listening in the podcast because that could be obnoxious. Or if you're watching it on YouTube uh, at Third Gen Gamer, yes, I mean, I, I just be sure to, you know, get all that stuff out. And let's just say, yeah, that was a whole process. But hey, I don't know if that's a thing for every single podcast when people, you know, do their edits and whatnot to get rid of heavy breathing or whatever. It may be the case. I don't know. But for me, I was like, oh, I'm just going to go through and get rid of pretty much every single heavy breath. That I had because it was just obnoxious. But yeah, that's one thing. I don't know if I can necessarily improve that per se, unless I could somehow improve my breathing, which there might be a way to do that actually. I I I don't know. There might be something. Other than let's say being more fit, I can do some lifting again. I used to actually lift a lot of weights many, many years ago. And yeah, I did upper body, lower body, and then I was constantly running a mile. Uh, at the beginning, at the end of every single workout. So yeah, no, I haven't done that in forever. Granted, I stopped doing it before the virus outbreak. So I couldn't just say I'm going to blame it. Uh, I'm going to blame it on the, you know, this whole pandemic thing. Because it was actually before all this stuff went down. So I cannot use that as an excuse. But that is one thing. I don't know why I'm talking about this right now. We're three minutes into this podcast. And I'm just randomly talking about being in shape and having a hard time breathing. And then making heavy breaths in the podcast yeah anyways um, there's connections there there is and also there are people that were making they were poking fun at some of the words i was saying like for example i was saying per se as like when i was saying it's like it's a term of expression be like okay i'm gonna describe it as like as this and then i think it'd be like this but then it's this and i was saying per se and anyways people were like who's percy and i'm just like oh goodness gracious and now, for some reason, there's a meme on my YouTube channel. Like, where's where's Percy? Show Percy in the podcast. Which, by the way, I'm sure they're very excited to hear Percy being mentioned in this podcast, even though Percy does not exist. Of course, of course, there are such things as there's people that are named Percy, and there's a book that's literally Percy Jackson. But we, there is no Percy here. There is none. I'm sorry. Even Jacob, my friend, a friend of mine, Jacob, as always. You fellow YouTuber, he's like, oh, I could change my name so I could be the Percy for your podcast. I'm just like, okay, this is, this is, this is something else. This, this, this is like, this has just become a meme. It is just a gigantic meme for my YouTube channel now. Anyways, there's that. So that was an interesting feedback. But yeah, no, there are a lot of people that uh, told me that they really enjoyed the podcast, whether it was in the comment section of the, uh, the video or even at the, some of my live streams where I do a lot of Nuzlocks and stuff. And yeah, no, there's, it was really awesome to hear a lot of people be so excited to listen to me talk for an hour and then think it was enjoyable to listen to. That's always a good thing. And obviously there's a lot of things that I had a, I had a little, I had a few problems with, but I had periods of time where I went off on a tangent, which I did earlier in this podcast, but I also had that, or I'd be like, um, and then take like 10 seconds 
And then next thing you know, I'm like, oh yeah, no, 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 let me start talking. You know, I guess it's it's natural to have a time where you're you kind of blank out and it just I don't I couldn't tell you. It's just like it's hard to uh have just like continuously talking and make sure you have thoughts the entire time for a straight hour. And that, that's what I, you know, it's always nice to have like you know, there's a lot of podcasts out there that have multiple people, and then next thing you know, they're all talking, they have their own ideas, and then you can take a break. Just to think about something. But yeah, when you're by yourself, it is a little difficult. Which, by the way, there will be some guests to this podcast at a later point. I'm not sure when that's going to be, but it will be happening very soon. Whether it's just a few fellow friends, content creators, whatever it is, we're just going to just talk and, you know, just branch out and learn some stuff, you know? We're here to listen to not only have an enjoyable time, have something out in the background while you're doing something, but also learning new things. And I feel like... Even, you know, my whole channel is based on Pokemon, but I'm talking about various other topics too, because it's good to be, be well, diver- like, well, uh, informed in many different aspects or many different genres or whatever, because overall it just helps you be a more well-rounded person. So of course I'm not talking about Pokemon all the time, but I'm, I'm branching out to go talk about other stuff. Cause I also want to learn some stuff too. And obviously when I'm preparing for these podcasts, I'm trying to find things to talk about and whether it's a few news articles or whatever is just whatever it is just to broaden my horizons and hopefully do it for other people too. I think it's just a really cool thing. So what has happened since the past week? Well, I went back to school. I'm back in college, got my semester, five classes. It's going to be fun. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because... I haven't had five classes in a semester in, well, a year. Because really, when, let's see, it was in the last winter, I actually had five classes, ended up dropping a course, took the W, which means I didn't get any money back. And I was in the class long enough where I couldn't get money back. And it counts as an attempt. And you get two attempts at the class. Otherwise, you just can't take it anymore, which I think that's just a stupid thing in general. If people want to spend their money on a course three or four times, why don't they let them do it? I mean, it just means they get more money, but I don't know. Eh, that's that's a whole thing. So anyways, I had one class that I completely dropped uh, dropped out of. I didn't want to have any part of it. So that was four classes. And then this last semester, I didn't know what was going to happen with all the online stuff. So I took four classes. And now here we are, five classes, four online, one I meet on campus once a week. So... We'll see how this goes. You'd be like, oh, just five classes. You know, it should be normal. Yeah, it's been a year since I've had five classes, which is just, it's kind of crazy. So I have to get back and, you know, stay organized because four classes, I feel like it's easier to handle because it's three less credit hours. And yeah, it's going to be something. I mean, I have a lot of upper level business courses as I am a finance major, but also I'm going to be finishing up my minor for IT. And yeah, it's going to be rather interesting because yeah, I'm going to be doing all these classes online. I'm just starting to get everything going again. As far as most of my classes are concerned, they're not really doing any due dates until the next week, or at least for like some homework and quizzes and whatnot. So I have some time to kind of get back into the swing of things, but there's a couple of classes I actually had to get some stuff done right away, which is like, oh, that sucks. That really sucks. But you know, uh, I have one of those classes done, and then now I have one more that I actually have to do before Sunday, which I I have most of it done already, so I'll, I'll be fine. But yeah, it's just uh, to get used to that. And then also with YouTube and all the other things, like there's going to be a new YouTube series coming out on my channel, new collab with Mr. Jacob as always, a person I didn't mention earlier. And uh, yeah, oh, I want to talk about something new that was on YouTube that I actually just started doing, and it's actually really successful so far. It is YouTube Shorts. So YouTube shorts apparently have been around for a couple months, didn't know about them. And it wasn't until I saw a a fellow content creator that uh, I actually look up to in many regards for some of my Pokemon content, original 151. He started doing these YouTube shorts. And then also I listened to his Sunday sauce podcast and he talked about it there too. And I was just like, okay, I want to take a look at this. And then I watched various videos on what it is. Essentially, it is like a TikTok, but it's on YouTube. So they have them called YouTube Shorts, which is um, it, you can upload a video. It's, you can upload as a normal YouTube video, 60 seconds, but it has to be like the uh, has to be like the screen aspect ratio. That's the same as your phone. So I, I mean, typical video is 169, but then you have to make it 916. So like your phone like this. So I have it. So it goes along the screen, like up 
up and down that it would actually follow that way. And then that way they can do things like swipe up or like, subscribe, swipe, 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 you know, all that stuff. Anyways, I uploaded my first short. What It was like four or five days ago at this point. I think the time that this will be uploaded. And let's just say that video hit the YouTube algorithm. It, okay, so with the whole, the whole thing. So it has to be under 60 seconds, nine by 16 aspect ratio. And then also you have to have the hashtag shorts in your title. And then also I put it in the description too, just in case that way for you, uh, it's for YouTube to know that it is a YouTube short. And yeah, it takes a couple of days from what I understand. And it, my, uh, my short actually hit the YouTube algorithm last night, which was when I'm recording this, this is Friday, but it, this could be posted on Saturday, of course. But, uh, on Thursday night, I noticed for some reason my views were going up like crazy. Next thing you know, I look at my real-time views and it was all coming from my YouTube short. And I believe that was three days, three days I posted that video and then it, then YouTube picked it up and then it went off. So it went from 100 views to 4,700 views in the, over the course of like four hours. Of course, after that, it just died off and now it's like leveled off. But that's really good to know that I can get 4,700 views on a video that is a, is a minute long. And I mean, yeah, it's not just simple. Oh, I just upload a minute long video. You mean you have to do some edits to it, of course, but it's rather interesting that the YouTube has kind of adopted this whole TikTok aspect to their YouTube uh, website. And essentially how you access the YouTube shorts is that if you, if you're watching on your phone, I'm assuming tablet too, you can like when you go through your recommended videos, they have like a little section that's for shorts. And I'm assuming my video just showed up as like a recommendation for YouTube shorts. People click it and then bada bing, bada boom, they got more and more and more over four hours. Yeah, I got 4,700 views on that video, which is just absolutely amazing. I actually just uploaded a new short today, which is, well, Friday. So it'll be Saturday for you. So it'd be yesterday. And let's just say that it, I mean, obviously there's no activity right now, but I'm expecting in two to three days, maybe four days, I'll get that same weird surge that I saw randomly and then die off again. And it was essentially, uh, I was playing Pokemon Heart Gold and I was doing a hard mode Nuzlocke, which I had called an advanced Nuzlocke now. But uh, I got a Suicune as my random encounter. And let's just say chat decided they wanted to kill it off. I put up a poll and they voted for me to kill it as my encounter. Or that was, that which was my encounter. So... Not only I didn't get an encounter for that route, but I didn't get the Suicune. Anyways, it, it's kind of like one of those things where like, ha, ah, that's funny. But it's like, oh, that's big sad. Oh, because like my first video was the Weedle absolutely destroying me in Pokemon Unbound because I kept missing it because of the fog and the Weedles kept hitting bug bites when my Pokemon were in the red and it was just awful. Anyways, it, it was a funny video and a lot of rage, a lot of good, like, you know, just laughter and whatnot. Not for me, but for other people. And on this one, it was kind of like, kind of funny, but I was like, oh, I feel bad for the content creator kind of a deal. So I'm just trying to see what else I'm going to do. And also I have another short that's going to be releasing on Sunday that I've already edited and put together. It's uploaded to YouTube. I have it unlisted right now and it'll be going public on Sunday, which is going to be exciting because it is going to be something that is going to be promoting a future series, which I'm going to be doing with Jacob as always, which by the time you see this, I don't know if we have announced it already. But, or if he just wants to keep it a secret until the day the first episode goes up. But yes, yeah, so we have a new series coming up and it's exciting. And we haven't done a series together in a very, very long time. And we're definitely trying something new. I'm not going to be saying what it is specifically, but it is going to be a Pokemon Nuzlocke collab series. And it's going to be a good time. We've recorded four episodes already and it's, <laughs> it's definitely an experience. We're actually, another thing is we're actually going to have an editor for this series it's not going to be me. It's not going to be Jacob, mainly because I want to focus on shorts, the podcast, as well as live streams, while I can also record and then submit the videos to an editor. We'll see how it goes. If the series takes off and it pays for itself, it's like, okay, there we go. We're just, we'll just keep paying this editor to do more for us. And we'll have multiple series of the same thing if it really is going to take off. Because Jacob and I truly believe that this upcoming series is going to be one of the best on YouTube. I'm just saying that. I'm not, I'm not trying to overhype it or whatever. It's just, it's a fun series and it's going to be exciting. You're going to be on the edge of your seat. It's just, oh, it's going to be so good. But uh, yeah, no, that this video is not necessarily that's going to advertise it, but because it's a short of us together in a previous series, 
And I took one of the funniest intro moments we had and just turned it into a short and then I'm going to upload it. So yeah, I'm reusing some content. In fact, I'm reusing all my content for the shorts, but it's good because if I want to branch out to new audiences, they'll be able to see some of the content that we do. And also it's also really cool for a lot of people that haven't been on the channel when these old clips are coming up and getting posted and it's just a cool thing that people can take a look at this stuff like, oh, wow, I missed that series. I might as well go check that one out because it seems like it would have been a fun one. You know, just stuff like that. So, okay. So we went from, okay, so we're good here. I think that's good for this topic. Next up, we're going to talk about Pokemon cards. And yeah, we talked about shortages, the last live stream and scalping and all that stuff. Here's a little bit of a piece of news. So there was a bunch of presentation cards and Wizards of the Coast wanted to take the job to print Pokemon cards way back, I believe it was in 96, right? I'm assuming 96, where they wanted to make Pokemon cards from the Pokemon company. And basically they had to get the approval first because obviously they need to get the approval from Pokemon in order to make their cards. And they had these cards that were kind of like, I mean, they were just for presentation purposes only. So there's only two of them available. It was a Blastoise Pokemon card, which you could tell is not like what it would normally be like for example it was a blastoise card but it's completely different from base set and plus the font they used was different and all this other stuff anyways this person i, I forgot if it was graded i don't think it was i think it was just the regular card itself the person that actually had one of those presentation blastoise pokemon cards sold it for three hundred and sixty thousand dollars. that is more than a first edition Charizard PSA 10 graded Pokemon card, which I believe recently sold for over 200,000. Yeah, a single piece of cardboard with foil on it that has a certified gem mint grade on it sold for over $200,000. Just one card. Man, if only I had like five or six first edition Charizard cards. I mean, I think everyone's like that though, to be honest with you. But yeah, this, this card is almost double of what that Charizard went for. And it makes sense. There's only two available of this Blastoise card. It's rather crazy. And I'm sure you look it up. I'm sure you'll be able to find it. But just search up Blastoise Pokemon card sells for 360k, which that's a lot of money. But there was also another card that was rather interesting that was equal. Uh, it's actually way more expensive than this one. And the only reason why I'm going to talk about this because I saw this headline, a Blastoise, that Blastoise card, it, it is a very expensive buy. But that is still not the most expensive Pokemon card. The most expensive Pokemon card is a Pikachu Illustrator card. And it sold, I think, for a million dollars. It was a Japanese card. I believe there were only a couple. There was like only 50 of them made or something. I could be wrong on that. It was a small quantity of this card. And let's just say, I believe it was PSA graded. I think it was a PSA 9 or t I think it was a 9. But because there was nothing like that out there in the PSA grade, I mean, this is like a very, very rare card, PSA grade gem. It's not a gem mint, but it's a mint card, a million dollars. And apparently as of today, this same card is trying to be sold for $3 million. It hasn't been sold yet from what I understand, but $3 million for a single piece of cardboard. You know, I would love to say I would have a card like that, but I just don't. I mean, I have a couple of cards that are worth something. Like for example, just recently, the Pokemon company wrote, uh, did a special promo on their website, PokemonCenter.com, for a special Pikachu card that you'd buy $20 worth of product from the website, and then they would send you this promo and plus like some ornament or whatever with it, and then you, that was the promo or a promotion. Anyways, I bought Champion's Path. The order got canceled, but the Pokemon company, I went to their support. Like, yeah, we're just going to send you the card anyways. No ornament, just the Pokemon card. I was like, okay, that's fine. Anyways, it's still in the plastic. I have it and I put it into a top loader because there's a there's a discord server that I follow. That's for Pokemon trading card game. Uh, I could put the link or invite link in the description or something if you want to go check that out. But the TCG card uh, as for a description. This is on YouTube, by the way, if you're listening on other podcast, like other podcast platforms, come to my YouTube channel, third gen gamer, which, by the way, third as in the word, not three RD gen gamer. And then no spaces in it because YouTube likes to mess with that. And so you can go to this podcast, go to the description and you'll find the link there. But uh, yeah, this someone in that group said, yeah, I just paid 500 Australian dollars to get this card. I was like, what? I was like, are you kidding me? I, 
uh, but I literally got that card for free <laughs> because I mean, they canceled my order, but they still sent the card out just to, you know, for good quality customer service. And they gave me, I believe it was a $25 gift card for my inconvenience because of the order. So I got, a, I got paid essentially to get this Pikachu card because it got canceled. So that was amazing. So I literally got this card for free. I have it. It's still in the plastic. It looks like in really good condition. I kind of want to get it graded, but I don't want to peel it out of the plastic. I don't know. It's kind of, it, I don't, I don't want to mess with it, but it's $400 and then it's still in the plastic. So I don't know if that's still worth anything. So there's like a special plastic wrapping that's on it that comes with the card and I didn't open it up because of that. So I don't know. If it's not a PSA 10, it'd be like, oh, well, that sucks. I mean, maybe even a PSA 9. It looks really good. I can't see the back of the car, but the front looks perfect. So it's like, is it worth opening it up to get it graded? I don't plan on getting anything graded anytime soon because they're all backed up at PSA. So I'm just like, yeah, no. But it's still good to know because that card could be worth a lot of money. And I also have a first edition Team Rockets Moltres from Jim Heroes. I bought a random booster pack on Amazon a couple of years ago thought it was tampered with so I was like oh, I can't resell this so I might as well just open it up like I wasn't planning on reselling I was gonna open it for my old YouTube channel the battle productions and then just use that for a video and then that didn't happen so I was like well I have it here I was like I could resell but I don't know it looks weird the back had this weird grain like thing it looked like it got resealed or something I was like fine I'll just open it up whatever no video whatever and there was a team rockets mold trace in there and it, it looks pristine. Maybe, uh, I mean, there might be something else wrong with it. Maybe a couple of white little nicks on the bottom, like really minor. And I feel like it still could get a PSA 10. That card goes for a couple thousand dollars. And I'm just like, yeah, that card is just insane. I think non-grader right now is still a couple hundred dollars, which is just crazy. And uh, yeah, no, I have that card. It's in a top loader. And yeah, whenever I actually do want to send in cards to PSA, that is going to be where I... That'll be what that'll be what I'll do. I have multiple cards. I'm going to send in. I'll probably buy their membership, submit in bulk. And then let's say if anything goes up in crazy value, while it gets graded and they say, hey, you got to pay more for this card to get it back. OK, whatever. I'll do it. But yeah, no, it's crazy. There's a lot. Pokemon cards right now are just absolutely insane. I bought a booster box of evolutions that I'm going to keep sealed. I bought it at four hundred and fifty dollars. It is currently being sold on eBay for eight hundred dollars. It was like, how many weeks ago? Maybe three weeks ago, it doubled in price, practically. And I'm just like, holy cow, that's insane. I mean, Evolutions is a popular set. It's a throwback set to the base set, but it's from X and Y. So it, it's an old set. Like, it's five years ago, I think, at this point. 2016, I think it was when it came out. So, yeah, that set is... A very viable set. I actually have some booster packs of evolutions that I bought from tins that were on sale that had the evolutions packs in them. I decided to pull them out, put them in storage, and then keep those sealed. I think I have like 15 booster packs of evolutions, something like that. So yeah, no, I got some investment, different things, physical assets. I know I talked about that booster box in last week, but I don't think I talked about the actual price of it, of that booster box because it just went it went crazy more than much more than what I bought it for, which is just crazy. Cause if you think about it, uh, that booster box in September went for 170 and it stayed pretty level at about $400. Once it hit there and it kind of went 450, 500 and then it kind of fluctuated there. I bought it at a good time. Cause now they go for 800 a box, which is just, it's just ridiculous, man. It is crazy. Pokemon cards. I guess they could be an investment if you keep it sealed. So yeah. Wow. Okay. So yeah, Pokemon cards, crazy stuff. So now talking about investments, I'm just trying to segue into the next topic, Bitcoin. I know we talked about that a little bit, the last live stream. And it was, I mean, we just kind of just talked about how, you know, the money market and the money supply is going up, which means and there's definitely a good chance of inflation happening. And then next thing you know, it, uh, the dollar isn't as powerful and, you know, just stuff like that. We talked about that as well. And then how Bitcoin was surging in price. Anyways, here's an update on Bitcoin. So Bitcoin definitely has dropped. I don't know. I forgot what it was exactly in the last podcast. I don't know. It was hovering around 47, 37,000, somewhere around there. I don't know. But anyways, there's a huge pattern that's happening called uh, head and shoulders pattern. So basically there is one small, like uh, kind of one small curve that goes up and down. It's like a small curve. And then a really big one. 
and then a really small one again. And anyways, uh, when that happens, it's pretty bearish. And the next thing you know, it, the just the price just drops hard, typically with that pattern. Of course, Bitcoin is a little bit unpredictable. So there were times where that happened. It didn't quite work out as Bitcoin people were expecting, or they're expecting a major drop because there's just a lot of people buying Bitcoin right now. It's crazy. But anyways, there's a big sell-off that's happening right now, and it very well could drop. I think it's at about 32,000 right now, Bitcoin. And there's a lot of speculation it'll even drop below 27,000 a coin. And a lot of Bitcoin, like bull Bitcoin people, so people that really expect it to go up in price are saying, hey, at 27,000, buy it there. Because there was like a history of patterns with Bitcoin where it hits an all-time high, drops about 35 to 40%, then after that would happen, then it would quickly go up 150%. Like there were patterns like this throughout many, many years uh, when Bitcoin has been around. So the people are expecting that to happen again. So let's say it goes down to 27,000 or even lower. That puts it over, that puts it over 50,000, maybe up to 60,000 a coin. So these guys are saying, hey, if it drops to 27,000 or close to it, just buy it there. It could fall more, but it's going to go right back up based on some of these patterns that were being shown. I'm not super knowledgeable about Bitcoin. I'm constantly learning. Like I'm watching a bunch of these Bitcoin people and they're like modern day traders where they can say, hey, I'm going to sell. I'm going to go long on Bitcoin. So they're expecting it to go up. So they're buying at a certain point and then expecting it to go up. And they have like profit or loss deals where let's say if if it doesn't go up high enough, then they might in, in, they might have a loss or if they're correct, yeah, obviously they, they win. If they're really wrong, then they lose a lot of money. Stuff like that. I'm not going to be a part of that. That is just very risky money. I, I get, you know, being a finance major, it's like, oh, maybe you should consider day trading. No, day trading and, well, I thought day trading in general with stocks is just dangerous. I don't know if I mentioned this in the last podcast, but I would not do any day trading for any stock whatsoever, especially if you don't know what you're doing. Because I, I get that you have to have, ex, like, you have to have experience or to learn from it, but a lot of people lose money. I mean, there's always, there's some people are like, hey, I can buy it. I'll buy low, sell high. I mean, it's easy as that, but then emotions happen and then you're selling at bad spots or you're like, yeah, I'm expecting it to go down here. I'll put an option in. So I'm expecting it to go down. So I'm going to buy at the, uh, I'll buy in at this point if it drops down. But either way, if, if it doesn't, that means I lose a lot of money. And so like, there's a lot of things that you could do. Like as far as options trading, I would say cryptocurrency is much worse because it's more volatile. So yeah, I wouldn't mess around with that. I would say you do stocks before that, but I, I would not touch uh, any of options, day trading, all that stuff, stay away from it. Uh, unless you know what you're doing or you have someone that's teaching you how to do this stuff. For me, I'm like, being a finance major, I haven't learned anything about day trading at all, late, like from what I've learned so far. And all I know is that it, it can get dangerous. You can either w- make a lot of money or you lose everything. It's just, it's not a good idea. It is like, ugh, oh gosh, it is just, it's a mess. Don't do it. Unless you know what you're doing, of course. But anyways, Bitcoin, the the small drop or a big drop and then an even bigger jump after that is going to be exciting because that'll be time. That'll be a time where I'll actually buy in for more Bitcoin. Obviously, more Bitcoin as in, oh, I'm going to buy multiple coins. No, when you can buy Bitcoins, you can buy fractional amounts. I'm not going to be buying one Bitcoin. I'll be buying 0.001 Bitcoin or whatever it is, like whatever money I want to put in. And then, yeah, I'll buy in and then watch it soar. And I will probably never have a full Bitcoin. That is just, it seems very unlikely because it it requires a lot of money to buy one Bitcoin. And I don't have the money to buy one Bitcoin. That just, that just doesn't work out that way. But also there's another, uh, another type of cryptocurrency. I believe I talked about it last podcast called Ethereum. And it's, uh, it's basically another like wallet as, or another cryptocurrency you can invest in as Bitcoin. That's the second largest crypto anyways it's currently sitting at about $1200 right now and anyways that if you want to get one coin of something like if that's the goal to get one coin of something it'd be nice to get bitcoin cuz that's going to be one that's for sure going to be soaring at the end of all this but ethereum i don't know man i mean i i, I think it will go up and it just won't be as much as bitcoin and it, i feel like in the end you will be better off if you buy into ethereum it's easier to buy one ethereum coin right now than it is to bitcoin and if you think about it if you buy at a really small price instead of like buying at Bitcoin where it's like 40,000, where it takes, if let's say you buy at 40,000 and in order to double your investment, you need to you need to have Bitcoin go all the way up to $80,000 versus if you have Ethereum, you buy into Ethereum for a thousand bucks 
I'm assuming that'll be right, right there. All the crypto tanks. Let's say a thousand bucks. All it takes is just a thousand dollars to double your investment versus forty thousand in order to double your investment in Bitcoin. So it's just like it's a lot of money. And I would say invest into both. I would still say majority Bitcoin, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't say no to also buying some Ethereum. In fact, I have some Ethereum right now, and. I mean, as of right now, I'm at a loss, but for the most part, I actually was at a profit. Then, of course, some major drops happen. I do plan on buying more Ethereum as well if it drops significantly more as, you know, I, it will be really nice that I'll be able to do that. It's going to go back up. They're saying Ethereum will break 10,000 or 20,000. It depends on who you talk to. Some people say 50,000. I'm just like, yeah, no, I'm sorry, but I, I definitely don't see that happening in one year. I could see that maybe at some point, but no, not in one year. And then Bitcoin, there's there's some people saying 320,000 for Bitcoin, which is just, it's insane. <laughs> if that happens, that is just, that's just crazy. But we don't know. It's all, it's speculative currency. So we don't know if it's actually going to be worth something like later on. Maybe Bitcoin gets, you know, banned by many countries or something. And next thing you know, what Bitcoin goes from 37, oh, I think it's at 32,000 now, all the way back down to zero because major countries said no to Bitcoin. You can't trade it, whatever. Can't have it. It's illegal. Yeah, Bitcoin goes all the way to zero, which I don't think that's possible because a lot of institutions have bought a Bitcoin. So I can't imagine them banning Bitcoin at this point. But I mean, Ethereum technically could because there's not a whole lot of institutions buying in to Ethereum right now. So that could, that, there's a little bit of risk to that. And of course, there's always risk with cryptocurrency. And our, you know, it's funny that we're talking about Bitcoin right now because there was something that happened. There was a big news article uh, that happened. It was about a week ago that there is a person that potentially has 7,000 Bitcoins, which is approximately $220 million. According to the article, I'm sure it's much less now as Bitcoin has dropped quite a bit since then. And they don't know the password to the wallet. So how Bitcoin works is that you can, you can buy Bitcoin, have it online, or you can buy Bitcoin and you can store it on your own computer or a storage device. And then that's, you can have a, a wallet online or you can have a wallet offline. It's simply, it's simple as that. But anyways, this person had a wallet that's offline and it happens to be that he stored it on a USB drive that is encrypted. So that means that it's good for security. Encryption means that it's basically the files get, uh, they not necessarily get condensed, but they kind of get masked. I don't know. I don't know what the best way to describe it. But basically, it cannot get access unless there is a password that you have. And anyways, the, the deal with these USB drives, there's this guy, Stefan Thomas. I think that's how you say his name. He could potentially lose 7,000 Bitcoin because he has the USB drive. It is an iron key USB drive. But he, he has 10 attempts to get on. And if he doesn't, uh, the actual password for the encryption goes away completely. And he has two more attempts left out of 10. And if he does not get in within two attempts, he, he loses $220 million, which is just absolutely insane. Now, you would think that, okay, he's that close to being locked out of it forever. There has to be some person out there that can hack that USB drive. There, I mean, typically with encryption, it's hard to do, but I don't know to what level this USB drive is encrypted. So it's possible somebody can go and be like, hey, if you if you give me $50 million worth of your Bitcoin, I'll be able to go in and save you the rest. And it's like, oh, I mean, yeah, sure, let's try it. I'm sure there's a lot of risk that involves with that. That like, let's say if somebody tries to break in, maybe for some reason it just wipes it regardless. I don't know. But you think there's a lot of very intelligent people out there, people that do a lot of good things and bad things with hacking. I don't know what the official terms are for different types of hackers that are good and are bad. Some are good hackers, which they find all the loopholes and then they, you know, tell a company like, hey, fix these. And there's some that just exploit it and then destroy the security of whatever the device is. But I'm sure that you can find somebody, good or bad, to help them get into this USB drive that has all this Bitcoin in it. And it's not like it's, it's funny because a lot of people are like, oh, let's say there's a wallet, like you have your physical wallet. Uh, it's, it's a dollar bill. It's not like a USB could have a dollar bill. I mean, the Bitcoin essentially is a bunch of, it's a bunch of just data, that little pieces of data, letters, numbers, all that stuff. And yeah, I mean, that's, it's crazy how a bunch of letters and numbers, as far as data is concerned, is that has value. And yeah, no, I feel like, yeah, it's got to suck. I mean, the guy I believe said in that news article, I think they got interviewed and they said, yeah, at this point, 
I, I, I'm expecting to lose $220 million. Can you believe that? 220, like, yeah, it's like, oh, you got to feel like crap. The fact that he did not store his password. I mean, to be fair, it's like, yeah, I don't want my password out in the open, but there has to be some way that he could have stored his password and kept it secure, whether it was writing the password somewhere in multiple places and just not saying what it is and just have it that way. I don't know. It's just crazy that he didn't properly keep his password for it, which typically the passwords for those are not like, oh, uh, let's name it Pikachu 2020. No, it's, it's, it's a bunch of letters, numbers, special characters, capital, lowercase letters, all that stuff. There's a lot of stuff like for these passwords. They don't want something really easy to crack. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I wonder, there has to be somebody out there that can break into that. Cause yeah, no, he's going to lose two. Okay. To be fair, it's like, okay, he theoretically, yeah, he has $220 million. He, but, and he could lose it, but yet again, he lived his life without it anyways, but it still sucks. It's like, oh, $220 million. It's like you won the mega millions and let's say it was $220 million and you had the winning ticket. And then on the way to the gas station to go claim your ticket, or maybe there might be another place you have to go and claim it. I don't know. Let's just say you rolled down the window because somebody told you to roll down the window and then the ticket flew out and then it, and it fell into a puddle of water somewhere that was really far away, couldn't find it. And then you lost $220 million. It's like, yeah, it didn't affect your life. Like that money didn't affect your life as of today, but that sucks to lose $220 million. Oh gosh, that sounds terrible. That would be that'd be a nightmare. That'd be an absolute nightmare. I would be sick. I would be absolutely sick. $220 million. Okay, that's a lot of money. Like, th no, there's always a certain amount of like where there's like too much money, you know? It's just like, okay, $220 million. Do you actually need $220 million to live? I don't think so. There's people that retire like that, you know, invest, retire. They have like a million dollars that they have invested. And it's like, okay, I'll be able to pull money out when I retire. Bada bing, bada boom. That should be able to keep me, keep me uh, well funded for the rest of my life. You know, to multiply that by 220, goodness gracious. But that just has to suck. 700 Bitcoin loss. That, that sucks for everyone as a whole, because I mean, the total supply is artificial for Bitcoin. So that's 7,000 Bitcoin that you'll never get back. So I'm sure that could theoretically bump up the price too. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's a crazy, it's a crazy idea, but yeah. Wow. We're at, already at 37 minutes. We went through all my topics, but yet again, that was really good. That was really solid. I mean, I, I felt like today was just more fluid as far as the actual topics and going through it. This is, this is the, this is what we call the improvement process. You just got to get started. And then after that, work on your improvements and keep on going. And it's, it's just awesome to see that. And yeah, so I'm going to go and grab some other questions here. So from some viewers from my YouTube channel. So we're going to start up. Let's see. Okay, we've got quite a few questions here, but we'll just pick a couple here. So Adamark, serious question. He also said, what does Budu evolve into? Yeah, no, we, we're not going to talk about that. That was from a previous live stream. Don't don't worry about it. But uh, what's your favorite type of content to make? Live streams, collabs, challenge videos, etc. So, what is my favorite type of content to make? It's it's kind of, it's it's interesting because yeah, I like everything that I make. I'll tell you. I mean, there's one thing I enjoyed less, and it is the challenge videos because it's just a long and tedious process. But they do perform very well, and it's definitely well worth the time to do a challenge video, which, by the way, I do have another challenge video for my YouTube channel for Pokemon. It's basically a solo run that I do with no healing items in battle, but I can use held items. And then basically, I just have to use whatever I can throughout the game to beat the game with a really bad Pokemon. And anyways, that'll be happening somewhat soon. I mean, I, I was going to have that done before I even got back to school, but I didn't even do a whole lot of that. I think I only went up to like the third badge. But it's all right. We'll we'll continue that whenever it gets done. It gets done. But yeah, those just take forever because not just recording, which can take about twenty hours in real lifetime to get through and finish a challenge video, like just recording. Then there's the script process, which I try to do alongside of the actual like when I'm recording it myself, so that way I don't have to go through watch everything again to write a script. And also, it's like okay, I'm writing a script as I go, which is a cool idea. So then I have all my thoughts and stuff for upcoming fights and whatnot, which is really cool. But 
Yeah, then there's the editing process, putting everything together, all the clips. Not necessarily 20 hours of footage because I don't record every single piece of a challenge video. Like if there's significant battles or I get stuck somewhere, that's when I hit the record button and then I just go through. But yeah, typically, yeah, I I just record what I uh, I what I deem necessary. Go write the script as I go, record the commentary, whether I mean, it's through Adobe Audition, just typical. Like how I'm talking right now, I would just read off a script and then edit, put it all together. It's it's a lot. It takes a long time to make, but it does it does pay off in the end for the like I would say there was one challenge video that didn't it just didn't necessarily take off. It just didn't hit the YouTube algorithm, which really stunk. But all the other ones did really, really well. And yeah, it, it definitely grew my channel. There was a re that was the reason why my channel grew so much in 2020 was because of my challenge videos, which was just crazy, crazy, crazy stuff. But yeah, I would say that's probably my least favorite to actually do when I like when it's all said and done. I do enjoy, you know, just see it. it goes up. It's hard work just to see my hard effort uh, that I put into that video just to finally get it up on YouTube and then people enjoy it. It's just it's enjoyable to see that. So it's not just like, yeah, it's, I mean, it, there's other aspects that I find enjoyable on these different ones. Live streams, it's always enjoyable because it's like, okay, it's just, while some of my Nuzlocke videos are rather, or my Nuzlocke live streams are rather tough, it's just, it's still a relaxing idea just because, you know, I'm just sitting back, I'm chilling, talking to you guys in the chat, doing a Pokemon Nuzlocke, just having a good day, just kept... Catching Pokemon, fighting Pokemon, Poke my Pokemon die, throw them in the box, you know, just stuff like that. It's always enjoyable to do. And of course, when they get really long, I'd say that's when it gets a little bit tougher and less enjoyable when it gets to like that four hour mark. Because it's just, it gets a little crazy. I know my last couple live streams were actually that long. and It was kind of crazy. Like at that point, it's like, oh boy. Okay, it's time to wrap it up, you know? So yeah, it's definitely tough. Like there's like different aspects, collabs. I love doing collabs with content creators. I mean, it's always tough to, you know, find people to, you know, like find like the people like that you'd be able to do it with and, you know, just be able to push out like really good content and also just be able to keep that going on a consistent basis. Like, for example, Jacob and I are doing a collab coming up here. And one thing that was always a problem for us was editing. And while this will be a little bit pricey to have an editor for us, we really feel like this series will take off. So it'll, we think it'll be worth it in the, in the long run. And we're, we're going to try We'll see what happens. That's the risk we're going to take. Whatever revenue that we do get from YouTube, like YouTube is pretty much my primary revenue at this point. I mean, I do work for my parents from time to time again to make a little bit of money, but YouTube, that's, that's it. That's, that's where I make all my money right now while I'm also in college. Luckily I'm at home. So a lot of expenses have been canceled out and gone. So that's good. But yeah, no, it's just. Yeah, I would say collabs are the most enjoyable for me. The editing can be annoying. It depends because sometimes some of my edits that I do, Adobe Premiere just doesn't like it and then causes issues. Even with my really good computer that I have right now, it's not necessarily a hardware thing. It's a software thing. It's it's a whole thing. Premiere Pro is a, while I do like it, it's good editing software. It's good when it works. <laughs> when you start trying to rendering off things, like there's certain shake effects that I have, it's try to add motion blur to it. It just shuts like the whole premiere software just kind of just shuts down. And, and then also when I render, sometimes the shake effect doesn't work properly. It fails the render. And it's just like, <gasps> goodness gracious. It is terrible. But like, there's always good and bad aspects depending on what content it is. It's not like what is my favorite type to make? Cause there's always favorite parts of each individual thing I do. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing them. But I would say probably the collabs and the live streams are something that I enjoy the most. But in the end, it's like all of it, like there's always, there's all bad aspects to every single thing that I do. So, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, of course, if let's say this, the series does work out and, you know, the channel grows like crazy, Jacob and I do more of this type of series on the channel and we just keep doing it more and more and more and Give up, we make sure we have editors for the series. I would say that would probably be my most enjoyable thing to do is if, let's say, I can do great, fun content with a fellow content creator and just record it, not have to worry about the editing, though I do like to edit. It's just that, like I said, some of the effects that I do premiere is just like, oh, does not want to do it. And it, that's the most frustrating part. And it's just, it's nice to have that done. Then I can focus on live streams, which I do enjoy the most podcast which i just started doing right now which i actually really do enjoy doing even though this has only been the second episode it's been a good time 
And it's only going to get better from here, which is just really, really cool. And then also the challenge videos, I will get one done soon. And also, I mean, the uh, the top five I did recently, which that didn't do as well as I thought it would. It kind of just leveled off, which was very unfortunate. But it was the top five Radical Red features that should be in the mainline Pokemon games. I thought because Pokemon Radical Red is a ROM hack, that is basically how it works. That They take the Fire Red game, it's the base game, and then somebody makes like a custom patch to put on top of the game if you don't know what it is. And then, yeah, it's like a whole new game. Well, not necessarily because Fire Red is still Fire Red, but there's like Pokemon Unbound, which is another series I'm doing on the channel. It's a patch you put on Fire Red and it's a completely different game, like a completely different region, new Pokemon that Fire Red didn't have. And just, you know, it's, it features that it didn't have, you know, it's, it's just really cool. So they just use Fire Red as just the base and then they add whatever they want onto it. Just really, really cool. But yeah, no. I mean, yeah, that, that top five didn't do as well as I anticipated, which is very unfortunate. Maybe at some point, the YouTube algorithm will just push it out for no reason and bada bing, bada boom, it's going to work. But I don't know. We'll see. So let's see. What's the next question from Game Boy 75? Do you think Bandai Namco should develop the mainline Pokemon games, seeing how well detailed the spinoff games have been? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they had some good stuff. Whether, I mean, Smash Bros. had Pokemon characters in it. I mean, I wouldn't consider that more of a Pokemon game, but there's Pokemon in the game and the game looks good. And also, uh, what was it? The Pokken Tournament, I believe they made that game and graphics look spectacular. Even when it was on the Wii U, it was, yeah, it looks remarkable. And on the Switch, it looks good. I mean, I didn't rebuy the game for the Switch, but yeah, I say that uh, either way, the game just looks beautiful and it's a fun game to play. I did play the story. It was really cool. And then uh, then they also are doing the new Pokemon Snap game, which looks beautiful as well. I wouldn't say I wouldn't want them to be the lead developers, but if they had to have someone be there to work on the 3D graphics and the designing for the actual graphics of the game, then yes, I think that they should be the ones to do that because the Pokemon company, I mean, while they're good at what they've done so far, there really is no match compared to a lot of these other games out there, even on the Switch. And really, uh, Bandai Namco did a really good job with New Snap. And I mean, I'm looking forward to the release of that game. It's going to be exciting, but the game just looks beautiful. And I get that Pokemon Snap is not necessarily, I mean, it is, the graphics look good, but it's like a very stationary thing. Like you're on a car, you're driving, and all you're doing is taking pictures. But it's still, I mean, I feel like in some way, shape, or form, they would do a better job than Game Freak themselves on the actual 3D graphics. I would say maybe they might need a little extra help with the story. Maybe add a little more, add a little more spice to it, I guess. Maybe Band, uh, uh, Bandai Namco would be able to do that. I don't know. But I would still want Game Freak to be the lead as far as for any of the major Pokemon titles. But it would be nice to have, uh, you know, having some extra help to get the final product done and have it be at a quality that everyone would enjoy. Granted, the, the the Switch is not the most graphically intensive. I mean, it's still really good for a tablet. Like, it literally is just a tablet. That's all it is. And it's pretty impressive what it can do. But I feel like there's still a little bit of power that could be pushed out that would be a little bit better than Sword and Shield. And I feel like they could that other company would be able to do it. So let's see. All right, we got another question. Uh, from Hero Killer 190 how would you rate all the mainline Pokemon games? Scale 1 to 10. Alrighty, here we go. This should be the remainder of the podcast, I would assume. So, Gen 1, nostalgic, the beginning of the whole thing. So, there's a lot, there's a lot to be appreciative about the first game. So, if they didn't happen, all the rest of the games didn't happen. But I'll tell you right now, there are a lot of mechanics that were terrible. The special stat was literally one stat, not special attack, special defense. Annoying moves like wrap and fire spin that would trap you in. You can like, I guess you can't switch. I mean, either way, you can't switch out now, but you couldn't attack when in gen one, like let's say you hit attack and the next thing you know what the attack continues, then you keep getting hit. It is very obnoxious. That feat like, oh, and like if you really think about it, bell sprout with wrap poison powder, all you do is poison it, wrap it, it's going to die. Uh, pretty much every po every other Pokemon, except for, you know, the Ghastly line, because I think that's the only ghost type in the game, right? I'm pretty sure it is. But, yeah, that's just, it's broken. Then, of course, Mewtwo is just stupid broken because of the special stat. Literally, it could take a special hit really well, then also hit everything like a truck. 
So it's just, yeah, there are a lot of weird unbalances with the game as far as, and then some of the mechanics that weren't good. And some of it was, a, there were a lot of glitches that were messed up in red and blue and also some in yellow too. But yeah, no, I would have to give gen one, probably a six or a seven. Well, you'll give a six and a half. Because I do appreciate those games. They're still fun. It's just the mechanics are bad and they didn't age well. So, okay, Gen 2. They improved. They gave, they split the special stat. Thank goodness. Added a bunch of new memorable Pokemon. And, I mean, they basically bridged the new region with the old region. And added tons of content in the game. And what can you say? It, it was a solid game. Yeah, I get the, the first half of the game was relatively easy. You could like you take a look at the first eight gyms in that game because of the second half of the game. They didn't want the levels to get too crazy. But yeah, the, it just it was still a, it was a pretty easy game. Gen two. But I mean, of course, the red fight, if you didn't know what you're doing at the end of Gen two, that could have been a little crazy. But even then, it really wasn't that hard of a game. It was enjoyable memorable music like the Suicune battle theme oh my goodness one of the greatest themes i in my opinion is the Suicune battle theme i'm just saying it is one of the greatest especially in the remake for heart gold soul silver they did they gave that that was justice they gave that theme justice it was it oh it's good even the old version still good i mean obviously when you put the two side by side the heart gold soul silver one's better but still it, it's still a, an amazing theme they had good music they had good Pokemon, good gym leaders. I mean, the only, okay, if you really think about it, the toughest gym leaders in that game were Whitney, because if you didn't know what you were doing, that mill tank was going to destroy you. Morty was a little obnoxious, though I don't know, maybe in Gen 2, it was, he wasn't as bad. Gen 4, he was a little tougher. And then Claire. I would say Claire was pretty tough too. And yeah, no, it was the, after outside of that though, all the other gyms are relatively easy, but yeah, I would give Gen 2 a 7.5. Gen 3, I'm third gen gamer. What do you expect? Game Boy Advance graphics look beautiful. Even to this day, they look good. I mean, pretty much any of the 2D games from here on forward, were they, they've aged so well. But yeah, Gen 3 looks great. Love all the Pokemon in this game. Uh, I despise Soul Rock. Everyone knows because my top five max, uh, top five worst max raid trainers, Mar gentleman Martin. He ruined Soul Rock for me. But besides that, I love Rayquaza. I love all the legendaries. I love the story. I love how there's two different evil groups for depending on the game. Emerald tied them together, and it was just the battle, the battle frontier area in Pokemon Emerald was amazing. I didn't spend a whole lot of time there. But I, from what I played, I really enjoyed it. Just extra content. I wish it was an Oraz, but it wasn't. It was easily my favorite game, hands down. The only thing that was flawed with Gen 3 is no physical special split. Because the physical special depended on the type that you're using. So if you used Fire Punch on a Pokemon back in Gen 3, it was in previous Gens too. But in Gen 3, if you use Fire Punch, let's say a Hitmonchan, it was a special attacking move in that game because Fire was special. Versus Fighting was physical, which I don't know, were there any fighting type moves in that time that was could be considered special i don't remember but i know uh what was it in gen 4 they had vacuum wave which i believe was a special attacking move i could be wrong on that but it wasn't until gen 4 they had the physical special split which was very that was essential for the pokemon franchise that was very important it made a lot of pokemon better but as a whole gen 3 in my opinion despite the no physical special split everything everything in that game was really good 10 out of 10 for me, but I'm biased because I'm third gen gamer. Gen 4, I love the story. I mean, Platinum was much better as a whole because it really tied everything together. That's kind of the same way with all these third games. Like they really tie all the story plot together and really make something even better. Diamond and Pearl were good. Platinum, I feel like was way better. And I mean, it just, physical special split. The game looked beautiful. Story was good in Platinum. I feel like it, Diamond and Pearl was still good, but it just, it felt like, there was less of a connection. It wasn't until Platinum that I felt like everything kind of tied together real well. So, I mean, if I if I had to base off Diamond and Pearl, I'd be like, oh, I mean, it was good, but it was kind of, and then also there were like no fire types in Gen 4 until Platinum. So, yeah. But, yeah, Platinum overall was the better game. If I were to give uh, Gen 4 a score, it would probably be... 
I would say a nine. I would say a nine. Gen five. What can you say? Gen five, I thought was a good gen. It was one of those gens that I didn't appreciate until later on. And let's just say, uh, by the way, I'm not going to be talking about remakes and whatnot. I'm just talking about the base Pokemon games. But uh, if I were to include uh, Heart Gold, Soul Silver and Gen, like the Gen 4 games, I guess, you know what? We'll just do it. Fire Red, Leaf Green, good title for Gen 3. Doesn't knock the score or anything. Heart Gold, Soul Silver, one of the best remakes ever. So we'll give it, we'll bump up the score to nine and a half. Nine and a half. I'd say that's good. Best remakes ever. Heart Gold, Soul Silver. So many features that they put in that game that didn't carry on for the most part. Like Pokemon walking behind you. It wasn't until the DLC of Sword and Shield when that came back. And that was just a cool idea that they had. And I wish they did it for future games outside of the, you know, the DLC. But Gen 5. Uh, it was a good gen. I, I mean, it was one of those games, like I said, that I didn't appreciate as much until later on. The story was a little slow for me. That was kind of like the transition where the story started to get a bit longer to the point. It's like, hey, you know what? I just want to fight Pokemon and just get a brief story. I just want to play the game, fight really tough trainers. Black and white was kind of the start of the phase where there was a lot more story. And the story was good in black and white. So at least that wasn't the problem. At least I feel like the black two and white two story was much better. But yet again, another bad thing about Gen 5 was that, well, first, there were some Pokemon that were just not memorable, in my opinion. And why, why the heck did they create a Trubbish? It's literally a trash bag. Anyways, but uh, yeah, this was like the start of, oh, instead of releasing one game as like a third, we're going to release two games so that people will have to buy the full content and said they're going to pay for both versions. And it's just like, oh, that was probably the worst transition. I mean, based on like based on the games, it was like the games are good, but that was the start of the oh, what's black and black two and white two? Oh boy, they didn't do it in Gen six, but Gen seven they did Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon. Which, by the way, that's gonna be that's gonna be an experience and a half. But well, when we're gonna talk about that, but yeah, I would say black and white as a whole, I'd give it an eight. An eight, it's a good it's a good ranking. I would say it was good, but like I said, it was like the start to a lot of stuff I just didn't like like the long obnoxious stories that ultimately don't matter. I just want to fight Pokemon. And yeah, the story, it's always good to have a, like it's, it's different to have an engaging story and then like, then like a long engaging one than rather than a long story, but not that engaging, which we'll talk about that later on. But black and white still had a pretty engaging story. I would say black two and white two was much better than that. Like much better than black and white. I would say black and white story was kind of, eh, it was still good, but eh. But yeah, Black 2 and White 2 is better. Okay, Gen 6. What can you say about Gen 6? I loved Oraz. They didn't have the Battlefront here. But X and Y felt like the most incomplete games. I felt like there were so many areas in that game where you felt like you should be able to explore and then they just don't give you access. You're like, oh, maybe let's do like a Pokemon Z or something. And then they'll open up that area and then there'll be like more content for you to play in the new iteration. Pokemon Z didn't come. Lots of areas, especially in that like desert area where they're like, like, uh, what was it? Like, it was like, there were like these buildings in the desert area. It's like, oh, that looks like a lot of different buildings. That'd be cool. Then maybe they have their own little thing there. Nope, they didn't. The city, I felt like it was a redundant. And also there was a huge bug right when the game came out where if you saved in the city, you were soft locked. Like you say, so you save the game, turn off the game, turn it back on, and then the screen would be black and no one would be able to see anything. They fixed the they fixed the game, of course, but if they don't have the update anymore. Base patch. If they don't give you, like, for example, if they shut down the 3DS eShop and nobody has the update for X and Y, like, or let's, like, let's say people lose, like, new people that want to play the game don't have access to X and Y and they want to play on their 3DS. If someone saves in that huge city, I forgot what it was called, yeah, they, they soft lock their game. They have no way to patch it. So that's an issue. But yeah, the story was long and kind of boring, but I still like the mega evolution aspect to the game. So that's why I kind of bump it up a little more. But as a whole, that game was fun because of mega evolution, new mechanic, love the new Pokemon in the game. Uh, there were some that was like, eh, whatever. But yeah, I would say as a whole, I would give it like a six and a half. It was still a good game. Like if I, this is like based, like before we actually, you know, while we're talking about these like reviews and stuff, 
I'm talking at base comparing it to other Pokemon games. Like if I had to base these off of other games, like from other franchises, I'd still put Pokemon at for the majority of the time up above a lot of other franchises. This is like just can, like from all the Pokemon. This is like the scale of one to ten, obviously six and a half for X and Y because it felt incomplete in many ways. OK, Sun and Moon. <laughs> oh, boy, Sun and Moon. We love Sun and Moon, right? Nope. I know there's a lot of people that do like Sun and Moon. So if you guys, uh, obviously this is my opinion. If you get, if you enjoy Sun and Moon, it, you, you can continu continue to enjoy Sun and Moon. I don't want to like have my opinion uh, affect what you believe if you really do love these games. But I'll tell you right now, story's boring. No memorable Pokemon in my opinion. I mean, as far as like the Ultra Beast stuff, I don't give a crap about the Ultra Beasts. Some of them are good. Like Cartana, I get that. But like Guzzlord and Stack Attacka, I'm sorry, but those Pokemon I don't care about at all. Yeah, yeah, the story was long, very, like, like this was like the epitome of the worst story, okay? It was super long and redundant, and it felt like there was no interest in the story. It just felt boring and just long, and it was just terrible. And then I didn't like the idea that the gyms were gone. But at the time when the games were coming out, I was like, okay, I'm optimistic about all the trial stuff. It seems pretty neat. We'll try something new. I didn't like it once I actually started playing it. It just, ugh, the game as a whole was just not good. Uh, I, I didn't enjoy it. And then Ultra, then here we go. This is the second rendition. The, the Black 2 and White 2 kind of deal where they release new versions, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. And a lot of people, I played Moon. I got through Moon. It was it was fine, I guess. It wasn't that great. But I bought Ultra Sun. I was like, okay, I'll play Ultra Sun. We'll try it. Give it another shot. Maybe they might have fixed some stuff. Like at the beginning, it was ridiculously slow. Nope. The story was exactly the same at the beginning. It was a good time. And I was very excited. And, you know, it was all good. And yeah, it was not. It was just. I, I Once I saw the beginning of the game, and it was exactly the same. I literally put the game down and never picked it back up. Now, there was a lot of people like, hey, the 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 main part with Ultra Crows, but that's new. It's like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll play 10 hours of a Pokemon game just to get 30 minutes of new content. I don't think so. No, no, no. I mean, it, okay, in many aspects, a lot of the, thir the third iterations of Pokemon games were like that. But at least the stories were enjoyable. Then <laughs> Sun and Moon, it just wasn't. I was like, I can't go through this again. Oh, man. And then plus they had Meg the Z moves too broken. They were way too broken. Yeah, you could use only one per match, but it just it was almost a guaranteed kill no matter what it, what you used it against. It was just at least with Mega Evolution. It's like, yeah, the Pokemon was stacked and kind of tough, but I don't know. For some reason, Z moves just seem way more broken, just way more. And plus, I just didn't like the idea of Z moves. I didn't like the oh, there's the, the different stones. I'm going to do different dances. And then that 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 represents different types. I don't know. I, I just thought it was, I didn't like it. I didn't enjoy it. Sun and Moon. If I had to erase a generation from the franchise, Gen 7, get out. All right. So Gen 8. I actually enjoyed Gen 8 quite a bit. The story was long. I get that. And the story wasn't that great. But I felt like once you got past the beginning of the game, no, like, this is kind of like Sun and Moon a little bit, but you get past the beginning of the game. The story kind of just goes away for a while. You fight trainers and you fight gyms. Dynamax was a nice new mechanic that, I mean, it was kind of like a mixture between Z moves and Mega Evolution. So I feel like in many regards, it was, it was a happy medium between the two. So I felt like that was really cool. Dynamax was cool. Uh, if you didn't Dynamax in the game, it was still kind of rather difficult. I mean, I never really did a no Dynamax run, but it could be in the gym fights, all those, uh, Dynamax and Gigantamax Pokemon. It could be brutal. And also I, I like the challenge in the eighth gym. I hate competitive doubles, but I like the idea that it's more challenging. Of course, I've beaten that game so many times now it's for different challenge videos. So it's not as hard for me anymore, but I'll tell you right now, one thing that, I mean, my score for Sun and Moon is going to be lower than what you guys will anticipate. Oh, and also forget, don't forget about the DLC. The DLC was good. Isle of Armor was like, eh, okay, whatever. But the Crowd Tundra was really good. It makes up for that whole expansion. So I, and that's another thing. I'm happy that they did it an expansion versus just an, a new game as a whole. Cause games are what, like 60 bucks. They're brand new. It's like, yeah, 30 bucks for content. That's, that's pretty good. And you don't have to recreate parts of the game. Just create a new part. And just add it on. It's just, it's a cool idea. I'm glad they did that. And hopefully future games 
they do the same thing and don't do all these like future iterations. DLC is the way to go because it's cheaper. It is cheaper than buying a full-fledged game just to get an extra couple hours of content and also a few me mechanic changes, I guess. But the one, the one thing that's going to drag down the scores, I kind of mentioned it earlier, the story at the beginning of the game. The first hour of this game is pretty much all dialogue and it is obnoxious. And for someone like me who does challenge videos, I have to go through that stupid dialogue every single run and every single time it gets harder and harder for me to be able to handle it. I'm serious. It, it's like, oh gosh, I'm, I'm just like, I have to have something else to do. I'm just mashing A the entire time. That like, it's just, it's awful. So I mean, yeah, the, this whole, like the whole story thing, I'm telling you from gen five onwards, the story started to get not only longer, but also less interesting. And Sun and Moon did have a rather uninteresting, or not, I mean, not Sun and Moon, Sword and Shield have very uninteresting stories. I mean, really, you don't fight the evil team until after the eighth gym, which is just insane. I mean, I kind of, it was like a different feel like, hey, don't worry about the evil organization. Go do your challenge. I guess they want to try something different with that. But yeah, no, I, I, I see what they were trying to do, trying to spice things up a little bit in different ways. But yeah, the story <laughs> wasn't good, but I do love the battles in Sword and Shield, and I do love all the new Pokemon in Gen 8. All of them are so good, except for Squibet. And I don't think anyone likes Squibet, to be honest with you, or that line. But yeah, no, all the Pokemon in that game are great. Now, if I were to conclude, uh, give yourself, give myself like, like a rating. I didn't even give Sun and Moon a rating. I, okay, to give Sun and Moon a rating, it's one. I don't care. One, I hated it. <laughs> Sun and Moon, or Sword and Shield. Uh, I enjoyed it, but then gradually started to not like it because of challenge videos and going through the beginning of the game. If you didn't play the game over and over and over and over and over and over and over again, then I mean, it, this probably wouldn't affect my score that much. So this is going to be from my opinion. Of course, if I were to not play this game over and over and over and over and over again, it would be a, it would be a seven, but because I played it over and over and over and over and over again, many times over, I would give it a five. <laughs> but yet again, there's another, uh, it's just, it's unbearable. The beginning of the game for me is that that's just so hard for me to do sword and shield challenge videos. It's just the beginning of the game, man. It's terrible. I can't stand it. But anyways, yeah. So those are all my rankings. So what was it? Like seven and a half for gen one, eight for gen two, gen three was a 10, four was a nine, five was an eight, gen six. What was it? A, a six. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I might bring that down to a five because I, Maybe what I'll do is I'll flip it. So Gen 6 is a 5. Gen 8 is a 6. Because I do like Gen 8 more than Gen 6. But, uh, yeah, Gen 7, 1. Simple as that. So anyways, we actually went a little bit over an hour here. I mean, ah, whatever. You know, it is what it is. I mean, we don't really have a standard plan. I typically want to stay within an hour. But this topic was a rather big one. And, yeah, no, it was a good question. Thank you so much, uh, Hero Killer, for actually giving me that topic. Because... That was one thing that uh, definitely was, it was a big topic and it, it gave me a lot to talk about, give my thought process in every single generation. Let me know in the comment section down below uh, on the YouTube video, of course, if you're listening on Spotify or various other podcast platforms, be sure to go check out the YouTube channel if you want to put your comments down there. I am in the process of starting up an email. I don't know, it's easy just to start up an email. I just need to get it done. But if you guys want to you know, uh, send me emails regarding questions and whatnot. I'll be able to get that done soon. And uh, yeah. So if you're watching on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button if you're new and hit that bell icon for notifications whenever I upload because we have lots of content coming. It's going to be crazy. And also I believe, wasn't it like Apple podcast? I think there's like uh, set your rating to a five star or something. Yeah, whatever, whatever the, uh, if there's any rating system, I'd appreciate if you put me at that highest ranking. And I don't know, maybe that might help push out the podcast a little more. I don't know. But anyways, this is going to be it for the uh, podcast. Thank you so much for watching, everyone. And I'll see you all next time. Peace.